strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. And today's episode is a tale that some may know, but others may not, and it's our job to tell you. At the beginning of the 1830s, about 125,000 Native Americans lived on millions of acres of lands in states such as Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, North Carolina, and Florida. This was the land that their ancestors occupied and cultivated for generations. But towards the end of the decade, very few Natives remained in the area of the United States. They worked on behalf of white settlers who wanted to grow cotton on the Native American land as the federal government forced them to leave their homelands and walk hundreds of miles to a specifically designated quote-unquote Indian Territory across the Mississippi River. This episode is about the deadly walk known as the Trail of Tears. I knew what you were going to say. Like just being from Tennessee, Mm -hmm. this is such a huge part of the history and I feel like In elementary school, we heard it one way. And then when you get to college and you get a little bit more of like the real talk history, you know, I learned just how uh, treacherous it was. So white Americans who lived on the Western frontier often feared and felt bitter towards the Native Americans. They thought the American Indians were different, even alien like who lived on the land that white settlers wanted and worse the land that they thought that they deserved. Some officials in the early years of the American Republic, such as President George Washington, believed that the best way to solve this Indian problem was simply to civilize the Native Americans. The goal of the civilization campaign was to make Native Americans as much like white Americans as possible by encouraging them to convert to Christianity, also to learn and speak English, and to adopt European-style economic practices such as the individual ownership of land and other property. In the southeastern United States, many tribes like the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, Creek, and Cherokee actually embraced these customs and became known as the five civilized tribes. But their land, located in parts of Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida, was valuable and it grew to be desired land as white settlers flooded the area. Many of these whites wanted to make their fortunes by growing cotton, but they did not care how civilized their native neighbors were. They wanted that land, and they would do almost anything to get it. They stole livestock. They committed mass murder. They burned and looted houses and towns and squatted on land that did not belong to them. State governments joined in this effort to drive Native Americans out of the South, Several states passed laws limiting Native American power and rights to intruding on their territory. In a trial called Worcester v. Virginia in 1832, the U.S. Supreme Court objected to these practices and affirmed that Native nations were leading nations, in which the laws of Georgia and other states can have no force. But even after this confirmation, the harsh treatment continued. So in 1832, the Supreme Court said that the states hold no right over native lands, mm-hmm. that state laws are not applicable on native lands. They have, they can have no force to extract people from their land. Okay. So that went over real well. <laughs> we see how well that worked through like, I don't know, the entire United States and as it moves across the entire West. Mm-hmm. 
President Andrew Jackson noted in 1832, if no one intended to enforce the Supreme Court's rulings, which he certainly did not, then the decisions would fall and the southern states were determined to take ownership of American Indian lands and would go to great lengths to cure these territories. Andrew Jackson had long been an advocate of what he called Indian removal. As an army general, he had spent years leading brutal campaigns against the Creeks in Georgia and Alabama and the Seminoles in Florida. Yeah, he was, he, there are some especially brutal stories. That can be a completely different episode. Like, it's, his treatments are just not, like, I'd even mention in here because they're already going through so much on this. Like, it's not just the Seminoles, it's all of them. So I want yeah. to kind of combine the entire, like, Trail of Tears into a one thing. But we can dissect it. We can definitely dissect this. Andrew Jackson, you know, he has all of these um, brutal campaigns against all of these um, Native Americans in these states, campaigns that resulted in the transfer of hundreds of thousands of acres of land from Indian nations to white farmers. As president, he continued this crusade, and in 1830, he signed the Indian Removal Act, which gave the federal government the power to exchange native-held land in the Cotton Kingdom east of the Mississippi for land to the west in this, quote-unquote, Indian colonization zone that the United States has acquired as part of the Louisiana Purchase. Just to give you an idea of geographic lines here, this Indian territory was located in what we call Oklahoma today. The law required the government to negotiate removal treaties fairly, voluntarily, and peacefully. It did not permit the president or anyone else to coerce Native nations into giving up their land. However, President Jackson and his government frequently ignored the letter of the law and forced Native Americans to vacate lands that they lived on for generations. In the winter of 1831, under threat of invasion by the U.S. Army, the Choctaw became the first nation to be expelled from their land. They made the journey to Indian Territory on foot, some bound in chains and without any food, supplies, or other help from the government. Thousands of people died along the way. One leader told a newspaper in Alabama that it was the Trail of Tears and Death. The Chickasaw signed an initial removal agreement as early as 1830, but negotiations were not finalized until 1832. Skeptical of federal assurances regarding reimbursement for their property, members of the Chickasaw Nation sold their land holdings at a profit and financed their own transportation. As a result... I mean, that's wise. You know, they actually... They were... (laughs) I mean... It's a horrifying, it's horrifying, but, you know, if you're like, hey, this is going to happen anyway, right? How do we somehow make a little bit better situation for ourselves? So as a result, their journey, which took place in 1837, had fewer problems than those of the other Southeast tribes. But the Indian removal process continued. The Creek also finalized a removal agreement in 1832. Your American settlers, the speculators, moved into the planned Creek session prematurely, causing conflicts, delays, and fraudulent land sales that had also delayed the Creek journey until 1836. Federal authorities once again proved to be corrupt, and many Creek people died, often from the same preventable causes that had killed the, the Choctaw travelers. 3,500 of the 15,000 Creeks who set out for Oklahoma did not survive the trip. That is 20%. Two in 10. One in five. One in five. A small group of Seminole leaders negotiated removal agreement in 1832. But a majority of the tribe protested that the signatures 
had no authority to represent them. The United States insisted that the agreement should hold, instigating such fierce resistance to removal that the ensuing conflict became known as the Second Seminole War that happened between 1835 and 1842. Although many were eventually captured and removed to the West, a substantial number of Seminole people managed to elude the authorities and remain in Florida. Yeah, I was going to say there's still a, mm-hmm. a huge Seminole population in Florida. There's the ones that stayed. In 1829, a gold rush occurred in Cherokee land in Georgia. Vast amounts of wealth were at stake, and at their peak, Georgia mines produced approximately 300 ounces of gold a day. So you're asking what was the best way to handle the government's determination to get their hands on this gold-producing land? This is where the Cherokee people divided. Some wanted to stay and fight. Others thought it was easier to agree to leave in exchange for money and other compromises. In 1835, a self-appointed representative of the Cherokee Nation negotiated the Treaty of New Ecota, which traded all Cherokee land east of the Mississippi for $5 million, relocation assistance and compensation for lost property. To the federal government, the treaty was a done deal, but many of the Cherokee felt betrayed. After all, the negotiators did not represent the tribal government or anyone else. It's said that the instrument in question is not the act of our nation, which was written by Principal Chief John Ross in a letter to the U.S. Senate. We are not parties to its covenants. It has not received the sanction of our people. Nearly 16,000 Cherokees signed John Ross's petition, but Congress approved the treaty anyway. By 1838, only 2,000 Cherokees had left their homeland in Georgia for Indian Territory. President Martin Van Buren sent General Winfield Scott and 7,000 soldiers to expedite the removal process. Winfield and his troops forced Cherokees into stockades at Bayonet Point, while whites looted their homes and their belongings. Then they marched them more than 1,200 miles to Indian Territory. Epidemics such as whooping cough, typhus, dysentery, and cholera, and starvation occurred along the way. Yeah, I feel like any time you get a group of people together where there's not going to be any real hygiene uh, practices. No hygiene practice. yeah. Different climates, different, like every, every time you step into a different state and you are witnessed with a different type of soil, different environment, different our agriculture, different whatever it is, it's like with that many people, yeah, you know they're pooping. You know there's no like way to wash their hands, and then they're eating with their hands if they're eating at all. And then if they're eating, like what are they eating? I'm sure it's not uh, fresh. Well, like yeah, I mean you have to think about you know not only the Cherokee people but seven thousand soldiers. It's like wow, you need that many people. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like insane. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't giving the Cherokee the the good rations. Oh no, 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 no. So by that November, 12 groups of 1,000 each were trudging 800 miles overland to the west. The last party, including Chief Ross, went by water. Now, heavy autumn rains and thousands of wagons on the muddy route made roads impassable. Little grazing and game could be found to supplement the meager rations, as you mentioned before. And two-thirds of the ill-equipped Cherokees were trapped between the ice-bound Ohio and Mississippi rivers during January. Some drank stagnant water and were met with diseases. One survivor told how his father got sick and died, then his mother, then one by one, his five brothers and sisters. He said one each day, 
then all are gone. Another survivor said, Long time we travel on way to new land. People feel bad when they leave old nation. Women's cry and make sad wails. Children cry and many men cry. But they say nothing and just put heads down and keep Bongo towards west. Many days pass and people die very much. By March of 1839, all survivors had arrived in the west. No one knows how many died throughout the ordeal, but the trip was especially hard on infants, children, and the elderly. Missionary Dr. Elizabeth Butler, who accompanied the Cherokees, estimated that on its walk, nearly 5,000 died, which was about a fifth of the Cherokee population. By 1840, tens of thousands of Native Americans had been driven off their land in the southern eastern states and forced to move across the Mississippi to Indian Territory. The federal government promised that their new land would remain untouched forever. But as, <laughs> but as the sorry. line of white settlement pushed westward, Indian country got smaller and smaller. In 1907, Oklahoma became a state, and Indian Territory was gone for good. Traditionally, the Northeast Indian nations tended to be more mobile and less politically unified than those of the Southeast. As a result, literally dozens of band-specific removal agreements were negotiated with the people of that region between 1830 and 1840. Many of the the groups residing in the forest of Upper Midwest, such as various bands of Ojibwe and Ho-Chunk, agreed to give up particular parts of land but still had the right to hunt, fish, and gather wild plants and timber from their properties. Groups living in the prairies and forests of the Lower Midwest, including the Sauk, Fox, Iowa, Illinois, and the Potawatomi gave up their land with great reluctance and were moved west in small parties, usually under the pressure from speculators, settlers, and the U.S. military. A few groups attempted armed resistance, most notably a band led by Sauk leader Black Hawk in 1832. Although their experiences are often overshadowed by those of the more popular Southeast nations, The people of the Northeast constituted perhaps one-third to one-half of those who were subject to removal. The Trail of Tears is over 5,043 miles long and covers nine states. Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Illinois, Kentucky, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. In 1987, the U.S. Congress designated the Trail of Tears as a National Historical Trail in memory of those who had suffered and died during removal. The original trail has more than doubled in size in 2009 to reflect the addition of several newly documented routes as well as a roundup of sites that were disrupted over time. Today, the Trail of Tears' National Historic Trail is run by the National Park Service, and portions of it are available for you to take the walk or to travel by horse, by bicycle, or by car. That is the story of the Trail of Tears, just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.